You're tuned in to the Tin Roof Farm Radio Show, a podcast from Greenville, South Carolina, on all things food, beverage, locally roasted coffee, and craft beer. I'm John Malik, the lesser half of Greenville's best-loved chef couple, John and Amy Malik, and we're broadcasting from our Tin Roof Farm in Piedmont, South Carolina. Thank you for listening, and welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Brian and Adam Daugherty from the Wandering Bar and Meadery. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And I know what meat is. You guys know what meat is, but for our audience... Sure, an idea, yeah. So at its most basic, uh, a lot of people call meat honey wine. And so whereas traditional wine you may be used to in the store is wine made from grapes, and this is, meat is wine made from honey, fermented honey. All right, next obvious question is, who is the wandering bard? Because me being an English major, Mm -hmm. there's only one bard, William Shakespeare, right? (laughs) But your bard is actually wandering. Shakespeare didn't actually wander. He spent (laughs) (laughs) most of his life in a five-mile radius. (laughs) Yeah, the the wandering bard name came from a lot of just Brian and I sitting down and pitching kind of name ideas. it's, It's so easy to start something. It's so hard to name it. Um, naming things is some of the hardest part of actually starting a venture. And uh, we sat around, we took notes for a few days, we bounced some ideas, and you know, I really just kind of said, okay, let's let's talk about let's talk about when you started making mead, and I'm guessing Brian can go into that too yeah. at some point. But uh, it, it was like it was when you were in college, and we were like, okay, what are the kinds of things that were going on in your life and things like that, and. and he he was he started making mead in college, and then when he graduated college, he moved out west. And then he um, taught out there for a while, and then he moved back out east again, and then he moved back out west again, and then he moved from back to west down to South Carolina, back out east again. So I've been traveling. So a lot of traveling, a lot of wandering. (laughs) And also at the same time, uh, I remember, like, um, there was a lot of uh, DOS PC games. And uh, Brian, one of the games that he played, and I played it too, I'm 12 years younger than you, I think. Yeah. I'm 12 years younger than Brian. But I I would still, I would actually let him do all the legwork, and then I would... I would follow up and play the games behind him. Um, but one of the games is uh, is um, Bard's Tale. Okay. And uh, it's that's a game that we kind of both played, and we kind of thought about that. He was playing Bard's Tale. He was in college. He was wandering all over the country. <laughs> yeah. And we, and you're a musician. Uh, he played. You played uh, saxophone. saxophone throughout high school and college. Yeah. And um, and I played, and I played music as well. And so we kind of just thought about our grand. Uh, my grandfather, Brian's uh, father, is a, a poet. A lot of poetry, great poetry. So we just kind of thought about all these things that brought us together, and we kind of gotcha. came with that wandering bard name. Yep. Yep. All right. All right. I like it. Uh, meat is such an eclectic beverage. It's uh, historically significant. Uh, it's probably the oldest fermented beverage, fermented beverage, yeah. beer or mead. Uh, you know, the first the first incident of written language is actually a recipe for beer. Right. Right. Sumerians. It's not something that you see every day. So how about a little background on why you wanted to take a shot at, at meat? I mean, what, you know. Well, as, as Adam mentioned before, you know, I, I started brewing beer back when I was in college. And <clears throat> really, I did, a, I did a couple of batches of beer. And my third batch of anything I fermented was a batch of meat. 
and everything. I was always just kind of fascinated when I was. So the first was gym socks, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I think I did a couple stouts, and then I then I then I did a batch of mead, uh-huh. and um, and that was back in 1990. And then since then, I've done, you know, certainly one or two batches a year since then. But then, obviously, you know, much more recently, I'm doing a, a lot more than one or two batches a year. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Okay. How much uh, how much mead do you typically make per week? I mean, I know you guys are going down to the store today. It's probably, so probably, yeah, probably probably easier to measure per month um, okay. in terms of our process. Uh, our goal right now that we're shooting for is we're, we're trying to get to a production of about 250 gallons a month. Okay. Um, and we're coming actually uh, uh, coming up towards that now. It's definitely a goal that will be in sight. And, I, and actually, if you consider, I, I was thinking about this recently, if you consider our other side batches, we're doing about 300 gallons a month. Cause yeah, because we've always got test batches yeah, and, and some and other like We have a cider going right now as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our Boucher. So we have we have 250 gallons of our main mead that we, that we brew, but then we also have other uh, small batches that we do. So we're doing yeah. really about 300. That's true. Or more even. Hopefully you get your honey locally, right? We do. We do, absolutely. And where does it come from? Yeah, so uh, Be Well Honey over in Pickens. Sure. Uh, Carrie's been great to work with. and uh, Carrie Owen, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a good guy. And, and we're classified as a domestic winery under South Carolina law, which allows us the ability to self-distribute and self-retail. One of the requirements uh, for that is we need to be using 60% of our products need to come from South Carolina. That actually fit really well with what we wanted as a company. We wanted to be a company that, you know, sourced everything locally as much as possible, worked locally with the community. So it, it worked very well. And then Be Well has been a great source for us. Cool. So since you're using uh, the, the local honey, the Be Well honey, can you taste the difference in the finished product? Because there's a big difference between spring honey and summer honey. Mm-hmm. So can you taste the difference in the finished product? Oh, oh absolutely. From the yeah. spring to the summer honey? Yeah, much like, um, you know, technically grape wines are the only type of wine that's allowed to have a vintage. Um, but sure. uh, mead has just as much, if not more, variability because the bees aren't picky where they go and they source their nectar. So, you know, you're, you're pulling hives right. from all over the state. And, you know, you might have tulip poplar that's in season at, at one point, or you know, there might be a big field of clover nearby. And we can tell, even not even beyond just spring and summer honey, mm-hmm. uh, variations between different buckets of honey we'll get sometimes. And sure. So as we're doing stuff, uh, we always taste the buckets uh, as we're getting ready to put stuff in the fermenter. And sometimes we'll we'll just come across a, a gem and we'll say, okay, set that one aside. It's going to be a traditional, you know, and that traditional is uh, honey wine that's just fermented honey and that's it. There's no fruits, no spices, and that's which we look for those really really good buckets for our, for our traditional because that's got to have the ability to really stand on its yeah, own. Yeah, I I keep uh, my wife and I keep bees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, we saw them this morning. Yeah, and y'all keep bees and. It's a fascinating and challenging endeavor for sure. You can't control the bees. So, and we and when we learned right. at a at a bee symposium, which was very disheartening because it's a lot of work to keep bees. And we have five hives. And so one of the speakers gets up on stage and he says, "I got news for y'all. The bees have no idea that that you exist. Right. No, <laughs> they have no idea how hard you're working for millions of years. <laughs> uh, we'll keep on doing it. Right. Exactly." <laughs> And I was like, oh my gosh, that you know, that's right. And so they, they labor in darkness and they and they move by by touch and feel. 
And so you, you can't control where they go. And so when they go out in the morning to go harvest pollen, you know, they could be going to a dumpster behind the 7-Eleven pulling yeah. <laughs> from a Sprite bottle or right, something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or they might be going to your neighbor's peach orchard or something like that. You don't, you, you have no idea. And so, so many variables with the honey. So I have been to your facility in Malden. I've had the nickel tour. Mm-hmm. So tell us how much, when, when you're brewing, so in order to brew 100 gallons or 200 gallons, how much honey do you have to start with? So we recently um, we recently purchased some additional fermentation equipment. So we now have a single tank that we can do up to 250 gallons in. Right. And so what we'll typically do is, uh, yeah, like I said, once a month we'll we'll ferment that amount, and that takes about 600 pounds of honey, or 55 gallons of honey. So 20 percent of the. Of the- Honey, yeah, okay. ballpark, yeah, yeah. Ball, okay. ballpark. Um, it vary, you know. We, there's some variation sometimes if we're wanting to do uh, a str- mead that's stronger in alcohol or weaker in alcohol, like a session mead or something. You know that that might change, but that's a good rule of thumb. And our meads that we make, we're 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 aiming for like a semi-dry, semi-sweet mead. Um, if we were doing a sweeter mead, we would add more honey, right? Uh, but because right. we do a semi-dry, semi-sweet, so it actually be a lot more expensive to make a sweet. Yeah. Mead. yeah. <laughs> So when I, when I went to the facility in Malden, I had a tasting, and I had everything from peach mead to ghost pepper mead to, I think there was um, a blackberry maybe, and uh, uh, cherry. Black, yeah, black, black cherry, cherry, blueberry. Yeah, we do mm-hmm. a lot of fruit meads, and actually we've got some spice meads as well. We've got our uh, caramel apple sizer, which is uh, a sizer is a blend of mead and apple cider. And then we actually add some pumpkin pie spice to that. It really sure. was kind of our fall drink that we, okay. we did for fun last year, and it was such a big hit. Uh, we couldn't make enough of it, so this year we, we learned our lesson, and so we're uh, we definitely ramped up production. Yeah, there's a lot of it's funny because there you, you think you know, everybody thinks mead, and but mead is it's like beer. I mean, there's different variations. You have like sure. methaglins and hydromels mm-hmm. and melamels and sizers, and there's all these different types of mead depending on how you make it, what your ingredients are, spices, fruits, things like that. And uh, when I was in college. I have, a, I have a degree in literature. Uh, I was in the Shakespeare Club. Mm-hmm. All right. So I know everybody's rolling their eyes in the audience. Oh, one of those guys. And so we, we would do a dinner every year, an authentic 600-year-old recipes and whatnot. Nice. And me being a budding chef at the time. So I was always in you know, lasso to, to be the cook. And uh, so one year, a couple of the English professors made mead. I remember it being slightly palatable. You know? <laughs> 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 and this is in the age of where 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 everybody my age drank yellow fizzy beer. Yeah. You know? So so we had different palettes back then. Sure. You know? Sure. Yeah, it was buckets and buckets. I'm not sure where they where they fermented it, but from. it was. <laughs> we we actually run. Maybe into, you don't want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we run into that a lot. Where um, the only mead that anybody and even the only mead that that we'd had was Brian's mead. Mm-hmm. Where I had, you had had a couple others. I had a few years. others, but. Yeah. But it's, it's funny, like a lot of times when we run into people, the only mead they've ever had is like some sort of off-the-wall homebrew mead that some random person made and right. it's palatable. That, that was like a thing that we had to actually think about when we started making mead professionally is that we hadn't had a variety of other meads. And so we had to kind of like go out there and test them and see what other meads. Well, we knew what we like, thought was yeah, good. Like we liked Brian's mead. Other people liked Brian's mead. Yeah. Right. We had no idea. So why not make 400 gallons of it? What else was out there, you know? Um, And uh, so, yeah, we found a lot of people that when they try our stuff, they're like, wow, this is way different than anything that I've had because they've had those 
off the wall mm-hmm. homebrew. Right, meals. right, right. That that are more <laughs> like pancakes, or you know, or <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and the, and the commercial market space for mead is very unsettled right mm-hmm. now in terms of. There's not a consistency of style. There's not a consistency of, like. It's good I've, point. It's a good point. You know, there you can. I've seen thirty dollar bottle of meads that I, I didn't necessarily particularly care for, and I've seen ten dollar bottle of meads that I think were amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I think the market is, you know, it, it's still trying to figure out well how do you how do you determine a good mead versus a not so good mead, uh, and then different flavor styles just like you know with wine you know you have like i'm a big full-bodied wine guy i like my cabs i like my merlots you know but other people you know like they enjoy other they enjoy other styles of wine and as producers as commercial producers we have to produce a wide variety of mead styles but my main you know both of ours focus is making sure that they're all high quality gotcha so when you're when you're distilling when you're brewing the mead and you're incorporating these these fresh fruits and these spices. Mm-hmm. So is this a one step or a two step process? Uh, it's a several step process. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So we uh, a lot of our batches we will typically do a primary fermentation of just the honey. We get that done, and then we'll split it that 250 gallons into 75 gallon tanks, and then from there we might add black cherries or we're saying, okay, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a spice mead, so we'll add spice to it or whatever. And so the the flavoring typically happens um, post-fermentation. Now, that's a particular way of doing it. There's plenty of other people out there making delicious mead where they're putting the fruit in during fermentation um, or, you know, they're doing it differently. Someone, Someone described to me one time, you know, Making beer is like chemistry. Making meat is like cooking. So there's just lots of these fine tuning steps that go along. I think there's probably the same amount of time involved mm-hmm. in terms of uh, like Adam and Mai's time and different things. It's just broken up into smaller chunks, whereas you like beer and stuff tends to be a little more front loaded. Yeah, and also as a marketing person, I hate the word flavoring. We sure. we do all natural. Everything we do is is natural fruit. I mean, I, I feel it's it's weird. If anybody has a better word <laughs> word, <laughs> word for us to use, because we are we're doing all of our, our, our fermentation in the primary, and then in the secondary we're adding our black cherries, we're adding our peaches, we're adding gotcha. the different and and there's it's like there's this word like I feel like this word flavoring has like this artificial sure like, the, yeah, feel course. to it, but everything that we do is is fresh fruit that um, we juice. We, we use the juice, we use the skins, we use everything when we make our meads yeah. to give it that full that full flavor. Yeah, cool. When I was there, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I knew I was, I, I'd had it before, I'd had it at, at, uh, at Be Well. I knew I was, I'd, I'd already enjoyed it, but I think we only tasted one that day. But I, when I was there with y'all, I tasted five or six different, and a couple of them were just really spectacular. Just Thank you. head and shoulders above anything similar that I, that I've had in the past. So now where can, where can we as, as, as green billions, as Southerners here in the upstate, so where are we going to find your mead? We're actually getting a pretty long list at this point. Yeah. I can, I can probably rail. I hope I don't miss anybody. Um, uh, Greenville beer exchange in downtown Greenville crafted, which is on uh, Fairview road in Simpsonville, uh-huh. uh, rail line brewing. We actually had the on tap there. It's in downtown Simpsonville. Right. Uh, a lot of people go to Rail Line, have us on tap, and then go to Crafted down the street, and they Pick get a few bottles. bottles. <laughs> right. um, so that's the thing. Uh, so uh, Lowe's Foods 
in Five Forks. What is that? The one in Five Forks does okay. now. We're 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 expanding. We're gonna we're gonna get there. Um, uh, Total Wine and More. Wine Express. Wine Express in Five Forks. Uh, sometimes they have us on tap there as well. Fire Forge, uh, new brewery in downtown Greenville. They have us on tap there. I'm jumping around a little bit. Community Tap. They have us in bottles right. now. Yeah. Uh, we have a collaboration with Eight State Brewing. They were an upstate uh, brewing company. They they rebranded their Eight State Brewing now. It's uh, kind of near the ball field in downtown Greenville, just outside of downtown Greenville. They We have a session, session with them, which is mm-hmm. our first session. It's called a um, Drecky Scald, uh, Dragon Scholar. And, okay. Uh, that's, that's, that's a, uh, a grapefruit, hibiscus, uh, dragon fruit. Is that a Game of Thrones reference? Or? Uh, no, when we were naming that one, uh, we, kind of, we kind of did it as a collab, and we just kind of had this idea. Uh, most of our uh, meads that we do now are, are full meads, are, are 12%. That all, most of our meads are 12% uh, alcohol. They all have, we, we basically call them what they are, black cherry. Peach, yeah. you know, yeah. our blueberry. Our our session meads, which this is the first one we've done, we've talked about, so we're going to maybe brand those with a more fantastical name, it's just something kind of fun. Gotcha. And uh, the idea was, it was, um, we want to use dragon fruit, dragon, so we kind of had this idea, and, and so Dragon Scholar was just kind of his name, and then kind of looked at the translation. <laughs> okay. Loose, loose translation. Yeah. Uh, it's, so it's Drecky Skull. Yeah. We, we talked about it earlier. It was hard enough to name the company. Yeah, yeah. Right. Come up with product yeah, names. Yeah, just... name. yeah. I got you. New Groove, Artisan Brewery, mm-hmm. and, and also Oasis, Oasis and Spartan The Tasting Room? The Tasting Room and Traveler's Rest, we just yeah. got out there too. So yeah, we're, it's getting to be a pretty big list mm-hmm. now. Right. <laughs> so are y'all getting very blessed with that. We're really yeah, happy about the reception we received. And Total Wine and More has us in Greenville, Columbia, and Charleston. Oh, nice. So we're yeah. working our way across the state now as well. So are y'all getting a lot of positive <laughs> feedback? You, yeah. We have phone that. calls. Yeah. Yeah. A lot autograph of, requests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, maybe. A lot, a lot of people. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's one of the things that's been really cool is um, a lot of these places that carry us reached out to us, and that was a really good feeling. To have um, people say, hey, we heard about your mead. Hey, somebody came in and asked if, about your mead. Can we carry you? And that was awesome. Yeah, yeah that, sure. That's a great yeah. feeling to have. Yeah. Um, so it, it's been really good. Yeah. Really good feedback. All right. Neat. Now, isn't the meadery open to the public? Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. It's been really difficult. We get calls all the time, too. Like, uh, every week I get a few calls. Can we come see what you're doing? <laughs> yeah. And we really... Yeah. We're, we're, we're a production facility. Right. Um, we, Brian still has his day job. I've, yep. I've quit my day job, but I still have other um, contract work I pick up. So we're both busy as well as making mead. Right. The time that we spend at the meadery, we're spending usually doing production, making mead. We don't really have the, uh, the schedule that we can stay open all the time. Um, we open the first Saturday of every month right now from one to five. So we kind of do an open house. Gotcha. It's once a month where people can come in, they can tour the meadery, they can talk to us, they can try some flights and things like you, you were able to try different meads. Um, and right now that's, that's the availability we have. Mm-hmm. Also, the, our facilities aren't really uh, built for like a tasting room right uh, now. Full blown. Yeah, yeah. Right now there it's production Five facility. Seven day weeks. So, um, yeah. so it's, it's a little unfortunate, but um, like, again, there's plenty of places that carry us. There's plenty of places that have us on tap right, right now where, where um, people can just drop in. And then that first Saturday a month, they can come by and meet us and see the, the meadery. We also do private tastings. So if somebody reaches out to us uh, through email and says, hey, do you do private tastings? Um, the answer is yes, we do. Um, we can schedule those. Uh, we have 
one coming up the day before our open house. house. So we're going to have a yeah. private tasting on Friday and nice. an open okay. house on uh, Saturday coming up. So Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Tell us about uh, big plans for next year, maybe. Uh, got any goals? Or? So, yeah. So we recently, uh, we just signed the lease on the adjacent space uh, okay. to the space that, that you saw. So we're uh, doubling our footprint, which uh, our big goal, mead, mead, like I mentioned, is, you know, it's, it's like wine. And one of the things that mead will really benefit from is age and time. And so we have been, as Adam, Adam talked about, you know, people have been calling us. We've really been experiencing a lot of growth. So we're, we, we've set kind of a minimum six-month age for our product. You know, we don't want to sell anything. It's not at least six months. I'd really like to see that get up to a year. Mm-hmm. So to that end, we're, we're stepping up production, which is the reason we acquire, acquired this adjacent space, so that we've got a lot more room to just store and age product. And so, you know, so we're growing in that capacity. Uh, like I said, our push goal is to get, so we're doing that 250 gallons like clockwork every month. And then the logical next step there is like, well, let's, let's go to 500. And, and the nice part is, is that with, with the, uh, with acquiring the adjacent space, we'll, we'll at least have the physical geography to be able to pull that off. Whereas the space we're in right now, I mean, it's, uh, it can get tight in there sometimes when yeah. all the tanks are full and everything's going I'm sure. Yeah. 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 As far as, um, we get a lot of calls too also about, Hey, are you available here? Hey, are you available here? Um, we're, we're working our way throughout because we're a domestic winery. We can self-distribute in the state of South Carolina. Um, we're working our way around the state. We're self-distributing. We're not going through a distributor, um, which is kind of great. It has its downsides, but oh, the beer guys are very jealous. Yeah. Yeah. The the beer guys can't do that. For the most part, it's great to be able to do and just kind of stuff. Um, eventually when we start covering the state, I'm going to be driving all the time (laughs) and And, and it it, it may get to a point where it just makes sense. It will. Yeah. Right. Right now too, you know, as a fledgling, fledgling business, you know, we, we, we need to keep every right, dime right, we can, yeah, right? Sure. You know, and uh, no, I, we, we have, we know a lot of the distributors are, I mean, it's a, it's a good community. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a good community. Yeah. We all know each other. So yeah. that's, that's been very helpful. So, yeah. So we're working our way across the state. Like I said, we've got a little bit in Columbia, got a little bit in Charleston. We're going to continue to uh, find our way out and fill the state of South Carolina. Um, in the state of North Carolina and Georgia, we'd like to get out there. For them, we would have to use distribution. So uh, we're looking at that as well for the next year. Yeah. So Yeah. Very cool. Honored to have you guys over here. I think what you're doing is it's it's so unique, it's so clever, it's very creative, it's wonderful stuff too. If you go buy a bottle, don't buy it, don't buy a bottle expecting it to taste like an Oregon Pinot Noir, because it because you yeah you'll be it's a different beverage. Yeah. It's, it's totally it's a totally different beverage. It's really fun, it's cool, and and uh, you guys are holding up the uh, grown in South Carolina flag as well. Brian, Adam, thanks so much for being in the studio. Appreciate y'all coming out to, to the farm for, today. Thanks for inviting us. We appreciate it. And if y'all want to uh, take a look at the website, tinroofarmradioshow.com, uh, this will be show number five. Just have a look at some of the photographs, and I'll have some links up there as well. Thank y'all so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much to Brian and Adam Doughty from the Wandering Bard Meadery. I'm John Malik, your host and restaurant coach, and I help make restaurants successful. The Tin Roof Farm Radio Show is a production of Jack Russell Social Media, and our music is all gussied up by John Starcluster. Thank you for listening.